0: Yeah, that's the brotherhood of utilities, whether it's co-op or municipal. We, we help each other, and we're in it You know, not-for-profit. We're in it long haul, and uh, it's been our honor to be a part of it.
1: You're listening to Episode 300 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. In rural communities where population density is low, large corporate Internet access providers typically shy away from making investments to offer broadband. An increasing number of these communities are looking for ways to exercise local self-reliance and add broadband as a municipal service. When local communities join forces to help expand connectivity in rural areas, they improve economic development, educational opportunities, and increase the chances that these small rural communities won't just fade away. Residents and businesses in and around Newport, Tennessee, have an urgent need for better connectivity. Now, Newport Utilities aims to change that by bringing fiber optic connectivity to communities through a partnership with nearby Morristown Utilities. Morristown has had its own fiber-to-the-home network for more than a decade. In this interview, Christopher talks with Jody Wigington, who's been on the show before, and Sharon Kaiser from Newport, who explains the situation in her community. The two describe how Newport and Morristown are working together to strengthen both communities and the entire region. Now here's Christopher with Sharon Kaiser from Newport and Jody Wiggington from Morristown.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And today I'm speaking with Sharon Kaiser, the Marketing and Public Relations Manager for Newport Utilities. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Chris.
2: And we also have our returning champion, Jody Wiginton, the general manager and CEO of Morristown Utilities, also in Tennessee. Welcome back. Thank you, Chris. So you guys are working together on a really exciting partnership. I was really lucky to have a chance to come down and to talk to folks in Newport last year uh, about an idea for building a municipal network in Newport that would be uh, supported by Morristown. And now we're going to tell folks what's going on uh, now that you're actually connecting folks. The best way to start, Sharon, would be you know, if you could just uh, describe Newport for people who aren't very familiar with it.
3: So, Newport is the county seat of Cott County, and, of course, our service area is all of Cott County, a little bit of Jefferson County and Sevier County, Um, and it's it's a rural area located in East Tennessee, not too far outside of Knoxville, so you might know Knoxville if you don't know anything else. Um, We have a population of just over 35,000 people, Um, and the area is very popular with artists and outdoor enthusiasts. Uh, mostly because of the abundance of of mountain views, mountain trails, rivers for rafting, and it's just an incredibly beautiful area. Uh, We're close to the Smoky Mountain National Park. We're close to Gatlinburg and uh, Pigeon Forge. You know, all those folks who know uh, Miss Dolly and Dollywood. Uh, A lot of other um, attractions, but, uh, yeah, mostly just an incredibly beautiful but rural area.
2: And in Knoxville, for people who aren't super familiar, that's the home of uh, University of Tennessee. It's it's really thriving um, in, in a lot of ways, right? Right. So you benefit from that a bit. Now, um, now you also have, not far from you, Morristown. So, you know, Jody, for people who, who haven't gone into the back catalog as much as they probably should have, <laughs> I'm uh, curious if you could just give people a refresher for what you've been working on up in Morristown all these years.
0: Morristown is about... I guess 20 miles from Newport and um, you know we got into this business about 12 years ago uh, as a fiber to the home provider basically just uh, answering the call of the people who through elections uh, of city council asked them to do something about the poor services and rising rates Uh, so the decision back then was yeah it's really for us based on video and uh, but today it's all about you know broadband uh, you know, more than video, but more sense, similar in size I Newport. Mean, There's 31,000 in the city and, and about 61,000 if you add, add uh, Hamblin County, which uh, we sit in. But we're, you know, we've done pretty well, I think. We're at about 49% take rate, financially solid, and the network has progressed from v Pond to g Pond to switch digital. Now we're uh, in a conversion to a full IP platform. But really, that shows the beauty of a fiber optic infrastructure, like like we and like Newport are building, and that we've accomplished these upgrades with electronics on both ends, but the optical delivery system, you know, stayed the same. So, and as far as rate stability, I would tell you that you know our internet was 34.95 in 2006, and it's 34.95 today. So we've been able to create that. Rate stability in town. Of course, the product has gone now to a 50-50 minimum, and will be 100-100 minimum once IP is fully launched. And, but we're we're like all our brethren, we see a decline in video and landline residential. But the flip side is the internet continues to grow, I've hosted, you know, voice services, and uh, I think community fiber service has done what it promised, you know, to do. Increase the uh, Competition, we have improved the products and the businesses. Economic development became better. Educational system uh, is improved. They're all connected on fiber. Uh, jump-started workforce development. And uh, we have a lot of remote access workers who drive into Hamblin County or to Morristown to work in our industry, and they go back home to the rural areas. Some even, you know, from, from, from Cock County, but maybe five counties around us. So I just think, uh, aside from all the basics of... Uh, you know, what it does for economic development and, and education, it's just a general quality of life uh, for a society that's increasingly dependent upon broadband. And I'm excited for Newport because they're dedicated to the mission, committed to their customers, and they're doing it the right way. So I expect uh, similar results in, in their community.
2: We'll get back to Newport in a second, but I wanted to ask one other question about Morristown. Uh, you've been quite generous in, in trying to work with others nearby that would like to see your services expand. Uh, but when you were last on the show, I think we were talking about Appalachian Electric. Now, that project is kind of still on hold, right? You decided to move forward because you had this um, opportunity working with Newport uh, in the meantime.
0: Well, Newport pulled the trigger a little bit, a little bit faster. Appalachian did a feasibility study, and Newport's study was after that. But just last week, uh, Appalachian did put out an RFP on onto the street for uh, uh, you know broadband services. We, we're not allowed as municipals to go into the co-op areas, but with the legislative change, the co-ops can do that themselves, and and we hope we have an opportunity to maybe wholesale with uh, Appalachian similar to the way we are. You know, with Newport, it's uh, it's crazy in Tennessee. We got seven head ends. We really, you don't need to build any more of them if we can find a way to work. You know, collectively.
2: Well, and that's one of the things that I want to wanna talk about is how working together takes some of the risk out of the project from Newport's point of view. But the first thing I want to know about Newport, Sharon, is is what are the problems that you're trying to solve? You know, when, when you look at this from your utility point of view, uh, what's wrong with what, the way things were before you got started?
3: You know, the amazing thing, Chris, is in this very connected world in which we live, that 35% Of our population has zero access to broadband. Some of our areas are are telling us they can't even get dial-up. The incumbents say, nope, we stop at this line and we can't go any further. You know, the challenges that 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 presents for our citizens, uh, if you think about opportunities that they're missing out on, uh, whether it's online classes or work at home opportunities, if it's telemedicine, These are opportunities that are severely restricting growth for our citizens, personal growth. Um, So that was an opportunity that we saw and really what we saw as a a challenge to, to our community and one that we feel like we could help them overcome. As essential services, right, so we're electric, water, wastewater. We are essential to the community. We are a major community partner and we look at that relationship very personally. So broadband, for us, is another essential service that our, our customers need. Um, and it's very interesting. We actually, we've, one of our beta customers that we just uh, recently hooked up uh, said that it, this was an answer to prayer. That's so often just a, a throwaway line, but she meant that literally. Uh, she also said that broadband access is a need. And I, I really like this statement that she made that uh, she said, you know, there are wants, desires, and then there are needs. And that this is a need because of the opportunities that are for her children, for her family, for the community in general. And so we're just, uh, we're, we're excited to be a part of that and feel like that's just part of our mission is being a good community partner
2: some of the communities that reach out to us and and that we work with at the Institute for local self-reliance are, they may have cable service to everyone and they may even have hundred megabit or gigabit download, but they're trying to solve a problem of competition or rates. But you actually have a substantial number of people that just don't even have broadband access is what you're saying.
3: That is correct. Wow. That's. Yeah. Uh, It's hard to believe, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Chris,
0: some of those same things are in play in Hamblin County. I mean, We only serve the corporate city limits and the cooperatives like Appalachian are around us. And it's the same problem in education. Some kids go home and and they have really good broadband and they all have laptops now in the school, or or half of them do in this this four-year project they have. And the others go home to uh, dial up or satellite or cell phone trying to complete their homework. So we're very interested in helping the cooperatives get into the rural areas. That's where we're different as a Muni from Newport. They do have to go into those rural areas, so it, it's a need here too.
2: So let's talk about how we're how you're solving that then, Jody. If you can tell me what are you doing to help Newport to be able to offer the services that they're launching?
0: Obviously, we have a head end. So there's probably twelve, fifteen million dollars capex in this head end. One of it's a an IP video plant, so you have all your channel receivers. Uh, this is something Newport did not have to invest in. We we are Clex. we have our own phone switch with the uh, you know, advanced hosted services. Again, that's, you know, CapEx at Newport can leverage from our side without spending themselves. We've already developed diverse redundant internet back on path, so again, they or anybody else can elect to do some of these services. And, and it's a hardened facility. It's, you know, fire protection, backup power the security uh, HVAC I mean it's a it's a nice head in and it it just pleased us to be able to sh- be able to share that and and help them improve their business plan. Uh, we also have a call center that we established uh, several years back so it's another you know kind of a mature service with those people that can answer trouble calls so So we have uh, some contracts with with Newport, Chris, to provide those sort of services. Now we can't do the service, so it's, you know, Newport owns the customers, they they roll the trucks, and do the billing, and they provide the services. They come to me uh, and buy at a demarked place, they they buy these services. And we have two fiber routes uh, to Newport, so there's redundancy in case one were cut or something like that. It helps them get the market a lot faster and, you know, the other thing I would say is job shadow or we share best practices. Newport and Marstown have shared a lot of time together over the last month, uh, year, I guess. Yes,
3: yes we just,
0: have. Just trying, you know, said, hey, you know, come over. This is the way we do things. You want to ride in the trucks with the field guys, talk to the customer service people, accounting. I mean, what, whatever. So... Uh, yeah, that's the brotherhood of utilities. Whether it's co-op or municipal, we we help each other, and we're in it. You know, not for profit. We're in it long haul, and uh, it's been our honor to be a part of. It.
2: Your voice switch, as I understand it, the the smallest, cheapest voice switch that you could probably get serves far more customers than than even there are people in Hamblin County. Is is that basically right?
0: That that's true. It's it's about a million dollar switch. It's a Meta switch, and it is currently could do two hundred fifty thousand lines, but it's upgradable to five hundred thousand. And we have like three thousand lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we made the commitment because of the reliability and the type of services that we we didn't feel we were getting from a wholesale level, from somewhere away from here. So the dial tones generated, you know, here locally, and we have have control over that. So. But yes, it's expandable easily.
2: And I just wanted to make that point that you know a lot of the, the telecommunications equipment is designed for ISPs that are that are much larger, and so it's not a matter of, of you um, losing money or in, or making investments you wouldn't otherwise have made. But in fact, it would be crazy for Newport to duplicate these investments because you have idle capacity that you had no choice but to get, and that you can now share. So um, it, it's, it seems like it's a it's a no brainer. Uh, but Sharon, let me let me ask you from your perspective, um, you know, what are some of the, the benefits that you're getting out of working with uh, Jody besides hearing that lovely voice on a, on a regular basis?
3: <laughs> well, you know, I, I, as Jody said, there's capacity there already in the equipment that's not being used. A head end is a tremendous investment. Our advantage in partnering with, with Morristown is that we didn't have to do that $15, $17 million investment in a head end. It kind of reduces that, that time to market because that the facilities are already in place. But the biggest thing that we have in our partnership, which has just been absolutely invaluable, is the experience and the expertise that Morristown brings to the table. They've been doing this for, you know, 12 years now. And so they have just been wonderful partners with us, everything from setting up our our back office systems to understanding uh, technical support, customer satisfaction, customer service, all of these things they already have in place that work very well. And so we're able to take Morristown's expertise and build our own systems that are very similar, but at the same time we're we're Newport Utilities, so we put our Newport Utilities face on it. Our customers, when they, when they go to, to a broadband service, will still know Newport Utilities. They'll still be able to walk into the lobby, deal with the same people that they're used to dealing with. But then we've got that, su- that support on the other side in Morristown for technical support for just a, a knowledge base that has just been invaluable for us.
2: And Sharon, you mentioned that you have signed up some customers already. What's that looking like? Uh, how many folks are signed up and what are the plans for expansion?
3: So we have nine beta customers online right now. We just got seven of them installed last week. And that gives us an opportunity to really test the systems, not only from a service perspective, but also our back office systems. And we've been able to identify some gaps and processes that, that we're a, you know now filling in. Uh, so that when we go to full market launch, it will be a a very positive customer experience. The feedback that we're getting has been phenomenal. Um, People love it. One of our beta test customers is actually an IT person at Bush Brothers, And so we've got him testing the one gig service, and he is delighted.
2: I'll bet.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He gives us excellent feedback. Uh, So it's really nice to be able to have someone that is technically very savvy. And so he's given us good feedback on the system and how it operates, any glitches he may have encountered that gives us a chance to clean it up before we go full market launch. So we're doing this in a rolled, uh, you know, a phased approach we will have online in the next coming 4 to 6 weeks about 2000 customers that that we can offer service to and then we'll just keep progressing from there our phase 1 plan is the city of Newport and our electric substations and you know some the the schools in the area and that's going to take us roughly through the end of the year uh, we've also already got board approval to, uh, for the next two areas in our Phase two uh, launch, so we can begin doing our, our engineering and design in those areas. Uh, and these are areas, uh, East Parrotsville, West Cosby, including Rocky Flats. That's one of those areas that, as I said earlier, have nothing. They're an art- artist community. Online service is really important. Right now they they have a convenience store that everyone refers to as the community spot because that's the only place they can get get a wireless signal. (laughs) So they like all gather in the parking lot to try to do work. So we're really excited to be able to start moving forward and be able to offer broadband services in those communities.
2: Jody, I'm curious if there's been any unexpected either benefits or challenges uh, so far uh, between the reality of rolling this out versus what you contemplated when you began considering working with others like Newport. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> this is a heavy lift. I mean, it's not as easy as plug and play or, or snapping your fingers. There are tons of interfaces and tons of things that we have to do to you know, try to comply with state state law or not try we do but yeah it, it's been a lot of work and we would like to if both of us would like to have gone a little faster at it but these networks are are incredibly complicated but yeah we've done it it's it's very doable and sometimes that it, it just takes more time uh, to change it but yes we've we've learned in this project things that we would be the cookie cutter for the next one because i really believe this is Potentially, how you solve broadband in Tennessee, working together as, as you know as co-ops and municipals. So we've we've learned things that we'll be better at next time. But the problems, it's just the incredible amount of network engineering and and interfacing that you just have to do and do it right before you get out the gate. But we're getting there one small project at a time. So that, yeah, there's there's been good and there's there's been some things that disappointed as far as how fast we can move. You know, you have a lot of different players in this, from the fiber to the home providers to the, the video. We're in the middle of an IP video change. so. Uh. But, yeah, it's going to be as good a, good a product as out there, state-of-the-art video. So.
2: Since you mentioned that, I recently uh, was uh, talking to folks from Cedar Falls Utilities who did an IP uh, upgrade. And, uh, you know, they have all kinds of capacity to do 4K, but there's not a lot of content available. Are you going to be doing some 4K?
0: I think Chattanooga tried a little bit, bit, but what I understand is a lot of the programmers are probably passing 4K to go to something bigger. You know, So we don't see a lot of 4K programming, so uh, we haven't made a big big deal of that yet. I mean, HDTV is still awfully sharp. I don't know the number, I'd be guessing, but it's a very small number of programming hours you can roll out on 4K right now.
2: And for people who are interested, uh, from what I understand, really the only content that's available and really easy to get is the is NASA does a channel. It's four K, um, but I appreciate the reality check there from uh, from what you're thinking about. And um, I just wanted to to note for people who are interested in this sort of stuff, you know, it's hard to to get the content for four K. Sharon, before we run out of time, I want to ask um, how how have you financed this? Because my understanding is it's it's somewhat unique, and and actually was a tremendous opportunity.
3: There, there are a couple of things that we're doing, but the biggest thing uh, that's, that's really unique is that we're, we have approached this as a smart grid project. So, you know, connecting our electric substations, getting all of the data from SCADA and AMI and all of that. So we were able to get a USDA rural development loan for a smart grid project. That's a long-term, very low-interest loan. Um, and that is primarily how we're financing the project. So we're really excited about that because it helps us to control the the, the implementation cost.
0: In, any utility that doesn't you know think about the benefits that fiber is going to bring to the utility is is missing something. You'd have to live on fiber for the years we have to appreciate what you can do in in your not only your electric but your water and your wastewater system. It just changed the utility. The way it operates for the better.
2: Can you say a little bit more about that? I mean, maybe like one example.
0: For instance, so we have the same AMI system as, as Newport, but these these meters in our situation they they talk every fifteen minutes back to the to the server over the fiber, and some of them talk every five minutes, and they'll talk in a matter of five or ten seconds if there's alarm. So we have integrated a lot of the AMI system, uh, which basically returns over the fiber optic network we've integrated it into the electric skater for real-time load
2: control so one of the things that that as i understand it that how that comes into play would be that if something starts to go wrong you can fix it at a much lower cost because you don't have to roll as many trucks or or get as many people called in and things like that i mean this is this is ultimately i mean among it saves a lot of money in a, a lot of ways i'm sure but one of those is labor
0: well we have I guess one meter reader left, and uh, we, I mean, we track it. It's about six thousand truck rolls a year that we don't make that we used to make. So there's a lot of ancillary benefits, uh, you know, to that.
2: So the, the final big question is: is how will we know that this was a was a good investment, um, yeah, Sharon? I'm curious if if we look out ten years, um, you know, what what will you be looking back and saying, "Wow, I'm I'm you know uh, I'm so glad that that happened."
3: For, for us, Newport Utilities, we believe that this investment in Cot- County is going to be smart in any event. So we look at the opportunities that broadband opens up for our citizens and for our communities, anywhere from better education, better health care, uh, better job opportunities, economic development opportunities. Uh, we have businesses now that uh, we have one business that has recently moved in primarily because of the availability of the one gig fiber service. We have other businesses that we understand are starting to look at the areas but you know, fibre is just so important anymore in in business expansions. And so that's gonna be a, a real boon to to our county and to our communities. So when we look back ten years down the road, I I think that what we're going to really be cognizant of is the fact that we have through this 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 fiber investment, have, have provided opportunities for growth and for sustained growth um, within our community. And that's going to mean growth in the tax base. Even from just the perspective of families, some of our families, the kids need to have to move elsewhere to try to get good job opportunities. So if we can bring industry in back into County and they don't have to move out, then we're talking stronger families. So, uh, you know, there's just so many benefits and I think 10 years down the road, we're just gonna look back and say, oh yeah, this was the right thing. (laughs)
2: Right. Well, let me ask you a slightly different take on it for, for Jody. Jody, you are one of very few cities in the United States where anyone in your community can get a gigabit. Um, you know, you're know, you soon going to be offering 100 megabit symmetrical as the base offer um, you know, at prices that are a fraction of what I pay for a fraction of those speeds from a big cable company. Why wouldn't you just sit on this and tell people, if you want to come to the broadband mecca, you have to come to Morristown. Why do you want to share it with your neighbors?
0: Well, because I'm I mean, I'm in public service. I mean, I have a vision for East Tennessee. I mean, this is where I grew up. And I don't think people around us having broadband is a threat to us at all. In fact, it makes our community better from the education system to the remote access that workers have, have to come into the factories and, you know, we have 9,000 plus manufacturing jobs. And we have, like, 20,000 cars coming into the, the city today to work uh, in these industries. So the more broadband there is, uh, the better it is for my workforce for these plants. But even if it wasn't for that, I mean, when you're, a, when you're a public servant like this, I mean, you're about the people. We're here here for the people. We're not for profit. We're here to do the right thing. We're here to be willing to leverage investment over years. And uh, uh, we're, there's there's nothing selfish about it. I think it just makes the region so so much better over time. And I can't stress enough the vision of Newport Utilities and, and the city council there. I mean, these decisions are not for the timid. And uh, Glenn Ray and his leadership team have, are working hard to answer the bell. And uh, I think they're doing the right thing. But So it's, it, it's not a threat to us. We're, we're more than happy to see the region become connected.
2: Well, I'd like to second that, particularly the, the leadership that Newport Utilities and the City Council has shown, because uh, there was a group that came in and tried to scare people, tried to scare elected officials, saying that this would be a disaster and it's scary, and and uh, and really tried to it, well, what they did was they gave excuses to city officials that if they had um, concerns, they could have backed down. They could have hid behind that and said, no, we're, gonna, we're not going to do anything. But they're moving forward, and I think that the entire community is really going to benefit from it. Uh, so I really want to thank both of you for coming on, uh, telling us more about what's happening, because like, like Jody said earlier, this, is, um, this sort of sharing is what we need to really uh, expand high-quality Internet access. So thank you both for taking the time today.
3: Well, thank you, Chris, for having me. Thank you. Us. My
1: pleasure. That was Christopher with Sharon Kaiser from Newport and Jody Wigington from Morristown in Tennessee. They were talking with Christopher about how the two communities are collaborating to improve connectivity in Newport. We have transcripts from this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash bits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at CommunityNet. Follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at MuniNetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other ILSR podcasts, Building Local Power and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Never miss out on our original research. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle license for Creative Commons and thanks for listening to episode 300 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.